Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello Trojan fans and welcome to episode number 157 of the Parastyle Podcast. Today is February 14th, 2011. Happy Valentine's Day everybody. Hope you're having a great Valentine's Day out there. We got a great show for you. We're going to talk a lot about the USC football team. We got Coach Harvey Hyde and Dan Weber coming on the show. Lots to talk about. We got a bunch of your questions to get to. Now that signing day is over, we're looking forward to spring football. So there's a lot of questions about where guys are going to be playing. And there's a lot of questions to be answered this spring. So we'll be kind of previewing all of that heading up into spring football, which starts in late March. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com, or give us a call, 206-888-6755 is the phone number. You can leave a voicemail. We will play your question on the air you can listen to it and we'll answer your question right away and we had a a special assignment last week secret assignment last week coach harvey high didn't get to join us he's now over in catalina so we can talk to him there in his uh life of luxury over there coach harvey high how you doing (laughs) sir hey i'm doing great you know i had my first weekend off this past weekend from working on weekends and uh with the super bowl ending up and so on that thought i'd take about a two or three day vacation yeah, you know, vacation means you just catch up on everything. But uh, everything is just fine. It's beautiful over here. We had a beautiful weekend. It's a little, you know, it's supposed to rain. It's getting a little cloudy and it's a little breezy and so on. But so what? So everything's great, and it's been a great football season, a great recruiting period, a great Super Bowl. We can talk about that a little bit if you'd like. And we've got spring practice ahead with the off season. And Ryan, I want to tell you, I've really enjoyed looking at some of the videos that you've been uh, putting up on your website, as far as the, uh, some of the throwing drills and the players loosening up and so on. And to me, when I watch them, they look very athletic. So we'll get into that. But again, I want to thank you and uh, wish happy Valentine's day to everybody out there too. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to thank our sponsor before we get into all that. Thanks coach. It's uh, Southern California tickets sctickets.com is the website or give them a call 800-888-7287 concerts sporting events tickets to the theater i'm going to see a show coming up soon coach uh, rock of ages i believe it's called it's a bunch of 80s rock stuff so that should be fun over i think it's a pantages but yeah if you need tickets for anything especially it's valentine's day you want to buy uh tickets for uh, a musical or something for your lady you could even give sctickets.com a, a try there coach i know you've done that before I certainly have. I'll tell you, once I got some tickets over there and took my wife and family to Barbara Streisand, it was absolutely fantastic. You should have seen the seats that he got for us. And it was, he can get it, you know, anywhere. The prices vary and so on on what you can afford. So call Curtis over there and tell him the coach said to hook you up. Coach, yes. Your, your, your name carries a lot of weight. I know that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He'll probably add a dollar to every time you say it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's. Uh, we got. We were talking about some of those videos you talked about the workouts, what the team's doing to get ready for spring football. But maybe get your your thoughts on the Super Bowl real quick. We didn't get to talk about that. There were two prominent Trojans in the game. Uh, 
Troy Palomalu and Clay Matthews the uh, third, and Clay Matthews has been blowing up. He's been on Ellen and some of those late night shows and stuff. It wasn't a Troy Palomalu has been banged up. It wasn't really he didn't have any kind of the, the typical Troy Palomalu game and US uh, USC Pittsburgh. See, my team is the Pittsburgh Steelers coach, so it's hard. I grew up in in the Pittsburgh area, Joe Joe Namath's hometown, but. It's, it was tough. They turned the ball over three times. They just seemed like they were out of it the whole game, and, and Green Bay took advantage and won the game. They did, and uh, they got a big jump on them early. Pittsburgh came back in the second half, and you thought, oh, here they come. Looks like it could happen, and then they had that big turnover. Mendenhall had that big turnover, the third one of the game, and that sort of uh, ended it for the Steelers. Uh, I liked the Steelers, too. The number one thing I liked was the over, and it did go over. Uh, I was forced to pick a team, so I took the Steelers in the game, thinking that they were, uh, you know, had played a better conference in the conference of the AFC and so on, and they had more experience and so on. But let's give the Green Bay Packers uh, what they deserve. They went in, they got their game, uh, they played their game, they did what they had to do to win, and now they're the world champions. So congratulations to them. But, you know, Ryan, I got a couple of things I want to mention about the game. I think the great game was a, a great game, but I think now, the NFL has sort of gone a little bit too far as far not of it not being a football game anymore, but it's an event, and it's uh, a drawn-out event. I think that towards the end of the game, it gets a little boring. Remember, one-third of the people that watched this game probably hadn't watched a football game the entire year, yet they got their ratings. Uh, you know, 111 people, they said, watch this game. It was probably double than that because... I think they do uh, households at four, and most households probably had six or eight in it, which when their televisions were on. So they made their mark as far as being able to justify the $3 million per 30-second spot, which I think is justifiable, 185 countries, 50 different languages the game is broadcast in, and so on. But I think they're trying to do too much with the game. First of all, I think they either get someone to sing the national anthem that knows how to sing it. It doesn't have to be a star. I mean, it can be someone. It could be a combination of the armed service choir or somebody, somebody that sings it the way it's supposed to be sung, and then have the flyby come by. They had a flyby, but that was for television only, but the people in the stadium couldn't see it. And then I think that we need to get a little bit more enthusiasm with our announcers. Nothing against Troy Aikman, Hank. <laughs> He can play the game, and he knows the game, and so does Joe Buck. Buck. But, you know, there was, it's the same tone the entire game. There's no enthusiasm and excitement and so on. And when you go that long in a broadcast, you've got to bring something to the game. And, and I don't think it was there. I, I really don't think it was there. Uh, the big screen there at the, the Cowboys Stadium, I think, is distracting. I think maybe three-quarters of the fans watched it on the screen. They could have watched it at home. <laughs> I really believe that. They're watching the screen, and the players, if you notice, on the bench, they weren't watching the game. They were watching the game on the screen. So I think there's such a thing as maybe too big a screen, and I think it becomes a distraction to the fans. I think they start watching it. If I'm going to pay as much as I'm going to pay for a ticket, I don't want to watch it on the screen. I want to see it in, in person. The halftime was a little bit long for me. Probably if you're a Black Eyed Pea fan, it was too short. But for me, it was a little bit too long. Uh, and uh, uh, I just think that without the bands, and neither team had cheerleaders. No cheerleaders, no pep to the game. It was just uh, an event. And uh, obviously, I stayed awake. 
because I love the game of football. But it would have been a difficult thing to do if you weren't really a football fan. It was a long event, a lot of things included in it. In fact, I'll tell you, as soon as the game was over with, I switched channels and went to something else. I didn't want to listen to the post-game shows. Now, I don't know how you guys feel, 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 feel out there. I, that's just the way I saw it. It wasn't a football game. It was an event for everyone. It wasn't. People watched the commercials almost more than the game. And uh, even Black Eyed Pete fans I talked to, like, I don't, I'm, I kind of like them, but I mean, it, it just wasn't, didn't seem like it was a great show. I, I almost want to just see, just kind of keep it more football like. And you don't need this enormous production. Get someone out there with like a guitar and do something, you know, like, you don't need this enormous production. You could do something that's, that's kind of cool. And maybe the best one, I don't know as far as the national anthem goes, Coach. You remember uh, Whitney Houston did one back in, I think it was like 91 after right. like, during the Gulf War. That was like the best that I can ever remember. Yeah, it's got to be like it's supposed to be sung, too. You know, they, everyone puts their, puts their own adjustments to it, which makes their voice adjust to the song. I think someone's got to sing it the way it was written. And I think that's what it's all about. I, I really believe that. Now, of course, that's just my opinion. Others might disagree with me, which you certainly have that right to do. But I think there's just certain parts that you do, try to go a little bit too far with too many stars. And, and you know, you, you look in the press box, and all they do is show you stars that are there, people eating popcorn and beer fed for popcorn and this and that and who's sitting there. Do they look like they're having fun? I want to ask you the truth. When you look at those people sitting in the press box, do they look like they're having fun in their boxes or in those perfect preferred seating areas? Yeah. <laughs> to me, it looks like they're stiffs. They're just sitting there watching the big screen. If you watch their eyes, most of them are watching the big screen, and they're barely talking or getting excited about the game and so on. And I'm sure the NFL invites them. I'm sure those people that they show don't buy their tickets, okay? That's Celebrity Row up there for the television shots to, to have people watch the game and so on. But, you know, it's great they go, but they don't look like they're having any fun. They're just sitting there. I don't know. I didn't even see them talking to each other. So, you know, who knows? That's just my opinion. Well, we, we do uh, – we're proud of Clay Matthews and it, you know, from coming as a walk-on and going all the way through the program to – you know, becoming a star at USC, get drafted in the first round, and now being a Super Bowl champion all over the TV. And he's got the great personality, too. So, I mean, they love him, uh, put him on television and stuff. He's got a hair commercial now along with Troy Palmolive. So some some prominent USC alumni there, at least, were featured in that game. And, and you know, we, our hat's off to Clay Matthews. A great job by him. Oh, I agree 100%. They had to have some type of commercial uh, playoff between the two guys washing their hair uh, <laughs> on some commercial or something. and. Uh, and you notice there's a lot of players now who are starting to let their hair grow long again. There, there really is because they're trendsetters. These guys, they're uh, idols to a lot of players and so on, and, and they start to let their hair grow because of these guys having long hair. So I started to let mine grow too, Ryan. I, I want to see that, Coach. That was cool. I got to, got to see you, uh, what, the day after signing day. It wasn't that long then, but you're letting it grow out now. Well, I have to after watching uh, Clay Matthews and, <laughs> Follow them all of these guys. I'm gonna let my hair grow too. Maybe I'll get a hair or your shampoo commercial. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, especially over Catalina, you know, the beachy community. Let your oh, hair grow out a yeah. little bit. <laughs> well, let's uh, <laughs> let, let's talk about the the team now, getting ready for spring football. And you mentioned the uh, the videos. What we do, I don't know if people, hopefully people are aware, but um, the team works out a couple of days a week, just throwing the football around. And 
most of the time you get some pretty big, you know, big names out there. It depends on their class schedules and stuff, but you'll see Matt Barkley. He kind of leads things on offense. Uh, TJ McDonald usually leads things on the defense and the teams will come out and do throwing lines for a little while. They'll do some seven on seven and then they'll do a lot of one-on-ones, which are really kind of fun to watch. And we go down there and we take pictures and we film it all. So you can see what these guys are doing uh, during the off season. coaches can't be out there. It's not an official practice. It's just the players kind of keeping sharp and doing things on their own. And so Matt Barkley pretty much runs everything and tells the offense what to do. And same thing on defense. You got to, work out some of the kinks and they're, they're getting ready for spring ball along with all of their conditioning workouts and stuff. So it's a good way for all of us to kind of see how these guys are progressing. And you can see guys like Kyle Prater, who's just been looking better and better. And unfortunately uh, broke his foot recently or, or fractured his foot. So he'll be out for six to eight weeks or so. Um, but, or Marquis Thambles being back and looking good and seeing how Matt Barkley throws the ball or the true, fr- the incoming freshman early enrollees, Cody Kessler and Max Wittick, see how they look throwing the football around and young guys like Anthony Brown and uh, Dion Bailey, a lot of guys out there, you can kind of see what, how they're progressing because especially, uh, you know, we don't see linemen yet. They'll come out a little bit later, but you get to see some of these guys coach in the secondary that, you know, are going to have to make contributions. And uh, you know, some of these wide receivers, like who's going to step in and take Ronald Johnson's place. So it's, it's fun to watch. And I think it's a, it's very informative for the fans to check them out and see, because you, you can kind of tell going into spring football, who's looking good and, who needs to improve where? Ryan, let me ask you, what time do they do these workouts? They're usually, uh, it depends. It, it kind of changes it to whenever they kind of put them together. Usually late afternoons, though, like usually four-ish or something like that. Now, are these open to the public spring practice in the past and some of the fall drills or all the fall drills were closed to the public? Are these open to the public? They're open. Uh, they're not publicized. They're just, they go on to Howard Jones Field, and it's just kind of when the players you know, decide to, to organize and, uh, and get together. Um, but yeah, if, if, you know, parents or whatever can, you know, we've seen people walk out, not as many fans come out, but just cause there's not really, it's not like publicized, but if people are walking by and they want to, to walk in and watch them throw the football around, it's completely fine and, until, unless USC shuts it down at some point. Like I, I know other universities say you're not allowed to watch summer workouts and things like that, but they do it, you know, just on the practice field and it's open. Um, they don't, they don't shut anybody out. They just don't tell people about it. Okay. I was wondering, but this would give people an opportunity to get out and look at some of these players before spring practice comes. If they decide to shut down spring practice as they have done because of the uh, sanctions and so on. But I think they're going to lift that. I really do think they're going to lift that so people can get out and watch the team practice. That would be, it'd be a good thing. I mean, it's just, that's the biggest for me, just it's a big shame that there's so many dedicated fans that would come to practice, and it was such a tradition at USC. It didn't have anything to do with what Reggie Bush did or didn't do. That having fans out at at practice, you know, and to, to to see people that I've seen at practice for years and years come by and take time out of their day each and every day to come down and see practice, or maybe they do it once a week or whatever. It's just a shame that they can't do that anymore. And hopefully, the university figures it out and says, you know, this really wasn't something that was hurting the program. This wasn't something that uh, caused us to go on probation or anything like that. And if USC realizes that, they let those people back on the sidelines because it is a lot of fun, Coach. You know, you've seen them out there. It's just great time. It is great times. And, you know, I think the thing, too, that bothers me the most, not me or I'm able to get out there and watch it, and you are, too, but when former players come, Ray Maluga and these other players, and they can't even go out and watch spring practice, to me, that is what, 
a big shame. I think that's a big shame. And I think the university after this appeal, and I think it's going to be, they better come up with an answer pretty soon, at least by March, on what's going to happen with this thing so everybody can say, goodbye, it's over with, this is what we're going to live with. Uh, I think they'll they'll release all this stuff because all that probation period will be over with. They've given the uh, sanctions or appeals or whatever it is, and then they can go back to being a normal university and athletic department. There we go. We're all looking forward to that. Uh, well, let's get to some questions, Coach. Uh, there, there's a couple of things going on. Let's see. Mark had a question, and this is about – there was um, some stories that came out about uh, Lane Kiffin when he was at Tennessee, that there's potential – I don't know if you read any of that stuff, NCAA violations or something. And they were, I, I think when you, you look at the Tennessee media, they really try to, if they can throw Lane under the bus, any chance to get that, I think they try to do that. Cause it really is, it's a, such a hot topic for a lot of the, the fans down there. But Mark wanted to know historically, to what degree does the NCAA come down on a coach when he has moved to a new school and the old school gets cited for relatively minor issues like, uh, that inter- the the escort uh, scandal, I guess, that was going on at Tennessee. Do you know historically, coach? Has, has there been places like that where a coach moves on and they try to hit him with sanctions later on? Uh, once they get on you, if they decide to get on you, like let's utilize, let's use uh, Jerry Tarkanian for example. When they started on him at Long Beach State, they followed him to UNLV, and they just never got off of him for anything. They just completely stayed on him all the time. Why? Because he fought them. And he was not going to allow them to say that he was doing things any differently than anybody else was doing. So they didn't like that. So they continued to fight him. Now, in Lane Kiffin's situation, Tennessee is probably bringing up most of the problems rather than the NCAA. They release anything or, or anything they can to hurt the USC football program and hurt also Lane Kiffin and Ed Orgeron and the coaches that were there at Tennessee. They are real football nuts down there, and they will not forgive. Uh, I, I don't know if Lane would be safe to go back to that state. I'm being honest with you. I mean, walking into a restaurant or going somewhere by himself, I think that people would approach him and really rip him pretty good, and he doesn't need that anyway, so why should he go back there and take that? But the NCAA sometimes does have that pattern to follow a coach if they feel vindictive, vindictive enough to put him away and never relax. Now, I don't think they're going to do that with Lane because Lane made the move to USC. It's a number one program like Tennessee is and, and so on, a Division One program. And, you know, a lot of these things uh, have to have substance. They just can't throw out that this happened and that happened. They have to be able to prove some of these things or have – have, you know, realistic uh, reasons to follow up on some of these things. And I don't think there are. I think they've hammered SC as hard as they want to hammer SC. They can't hammer them anymore. And uh, I hope they realize that, and I hope they just back off. But as far as Tennessee going away, Tennessee will never go away. Tennessee will be around with their with their discussions of what Lane did to them and this and that and so on and so on forever. So uh, that's the way they remember in the South. I, you know, I, my fiance is a Tennessee fan, so I get to hear I get to hear about this stuff all the time. It is it's pretty comical, and uh, it does. It's something that you know you say headlines or whatever that would sell papers. If you can come out and and bash Lane Kiffin at some point, it's going to get a lot of hits. The Tennessee fans are going to be 
beyond something like that. And I, I, I think you have to give Lane credit because there were, when he went down to Tennessee, he was trying to make a splash, you know, and he did some controversial things, but he's completely kept his nose clean. I'm not sure, you know, the reasons or anything, but I think you understand that, well, you know, we're going to be looked at, you know, as, you know, as a university, he's probably saying we're going to be looked at a little bit differently because of the sanctions and things like that. I better keep my nose clean or whatever it is. I mean, there's, the way he's acted at USC was completely different than the way things kind of went down at Tennessee. And I don't know what else he could have done. I mean, the, the conditions that he had to kind of coach through and even just through the off season where I don't know if anyone wanted to deal with something like that. And he did it all with a smile on his face or not a big smile <laughs> and just, and just kind of fought through it all. No, he did. And, and, and let, and let me tell you, um, when he was at Tennessee, that was his first college football head coaching real experience as a head coach. Now the Raiders, yeah, but Al Davis is there. He didn't really have much to say what was going on up there. Here, or and and at Tennessee, I mean, people are writing blogs. People are trying to become famous. People are find, trying to be investigative reporters every single day of the week. So it's a lot different. And I think he learned by some of the things he said. He didn't really mean. It was taken out of content content and everybody just ran with it okay because he was not a southerner going in and coaching down there they didn't like him nobody liked it because he made a big splash and went out and recruited hard and so on and made some comments about other programs and so on and oh they were very defensive about that but he learned not to do that okay so those people got their feelings hurt they got their feelings hurt really more when he left Tennessee because they don't think there's a better football program than Tennessee and Tennessee so he said when he left to get to a better program that sort of stabbed him in the heart okay so that's part of it that was behind all of that and so on and he's got to move on and forget about those people they got enough problems down there they'll worry about their own football program and i think if they worry about their football program down there they'll be better off I agree with you, Coach. You just kind of move on. It's the Mr. Dooley age now. Coach Dooley will take co- take control over there, and we'll see how that program goes uh, going forward. Well, we have a question from Ron in the South Bay, and it's about a topic you really like, Coach, the offensive line. Um, he was listening to – I was talking with Gerard last week about the, the center position, and uh, but with uh, Gerard about some of the possibilities that USC had – and one uh, possibility Gerard mentioned was moving Khalid Holmes over there. Um, one guy I didn't hear mentioned was Giovanni DiPaolo. He wanted to kind of ask about him and kind of get your thoughts on the whole situation as far as the center position. Well, I'll tell you, the center position is a very difficult position to play. First of all, you've got to make most of the calls. You've got to come out and recognize the defenses. And also, you've got to get used to playing with a man on you and a man off of you. You play even fronts. They take gaps. You've got to be aggressive, and then they sometimes play odd fronts, and they put their biggest, strongest lineman on your nose and smack you every time when you snap the ball, and you can't allow penetration either side of your A-gap. And you've got to own the line of scrimmage. So it's a very difficult position to play, and it's a very difficult position for a freshman to start at. So you might think, oh, yeah, you got Hovey and these guys. You move him and play him at center. No, you would ruin him. He would be thinking more than using his athletic ability. Because I love Hovey. I think... He could be possibly a starter midway through the season, but you don't take. You got to take an experienced player that knows the offense, that can adapt to snapping the football, not not fumbling the football, and also now being able to snap the ball back 
when they're in the gun position or the wildcat position and make nice snaps there too. So you got to pay attention. You got to take a, a experienced player. And Holmes is the experienced player. He's physical. He's six four, three hundred pounds. Uh, he's been out there a lot, and I think he'd be able to do that. Now, who else would be a nice backup, probably at center? I would think Martinez might be. I mean, he he's he's been around the program two years now. Uh, he has played. I no, he's been a guard, but I think he can play center. Uh, he's a little bit more experienced. He knows the offensive schemes. He knows the blocking rules and so on. And maybe he could be a center. I don't think you take a player and put him at center unless he's been around a while and understands both sides of what happens, what the calls are, and so on. And you've got to be a little bit physical, too. Because when you go against odd fronts, they just beat you, man. They just pound you. And you've got to be able to get that ball back to the quarterback and still take care of yourself and also not allow penetration on either gap. So it's a very difficult position to play. And when I look through the roster, and of course, I can't think of everybody, but, you know, uh, those are the only two right now that have the frame and the ability, I think, now to play in there. I don't think, like, a Martin Coleman could play down there. Hey, Markowitz, uh, people have talked about, too. Yeah, he could play down in there, too. He could he could be in there. He could be, like, a, a battle for it. I agree. He could, he's been around the program for a while. Uh, but I, when I look around the frames of these other guys and what their bills are, they just don't fit the role of a center. They just don't. So to me, I think that's a position that they're going to have to find. They're going to have to work with. And I would say Holmes, Martinez, and the other gentleman that you mentioned could play hey, that Mark position. Ritz, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, Mark Ritz. It's really interesting as far as bodies on the offensive line goes this spring because it's going to be a big deal. I mean, there's, maybe they only have eight guys or something in camp. It depends on you know injuries and things like that. But they got to figure out positions for guys i mean there's only really two starters coming back guys gotta you know move around a little bit see where they're they're gonna you know get a feel for it because they got some talented freshmen coming in but like you said it's tough for freshman offensive linemen i mean you love a guy like andre walker or cyrus hobby or whatever and i it's gonna be tough for guys like that to come in they they physically can do it um but mentally you got to make sure that they're on the same page with everyone else on the program so i think for me that's going to be the big you know, position group to watch this spring is the offensive line because they do need to make some decisions and have some stuff set over the summer so they can head into fall camp with at least an idea of what they want to do. I agree with you, and I think the J.C. tackles, both those J.C. tackles will come in and play tackle. I don't think they'll play guard. I think they'll come in and play tackle as backups. I'll tell you, uh, a kid that I think that could be a center that I really liked out of Bakersfield, Cody Temple. He's, he's got the build of a center, about 6'2", 280 pounds, really gets down the field well, runs, has played both offense and defense, both side of the, sides of the ball. So this freshman kid coming in could be placed at a center. He hadn't played center, but I think he has the body size of a center and could do a good job at center, too. You've got Marcus Martin coming in, too, 6'3", 340. I think he's a, he's a project. He's, he's going to be a good player, but he's not ready to start. I think uh, Walker is going to be a great project. That big kid out of Cleveland, 6'6", about 355 pounds. Big. <laughs> big, big, big. But, you know, he's got to get himself, remember, ready to play. It's in a different level. The kid I think that's the most mature as far as the incoming freshman is this Hobie kid out of Arizona. He's about 6'3", 280 and so on, but he's got tremendous feet and strength. 
when he played on the high school level, he just threw kids around. He really did. And uh, I think he'd come in now. Dalton, the kid from, uh, uh, I think, Sam Mateo, the big tackle. I haven't seen, I have to tell you, I have not seen him on video. I have not seen him play. Had a chance to see David, uh, what's his games? His games, uh, Gamis? The Garness. The Garness. Garness, yeah. The kid from City of San Francisco play in the state championship game against Mount Sac. He's about 6'5", 290. Uh, he's, he's got to get used to now more quickness playing against better quickness now in, uh, in the pack 12. So, but as far as spring practice, these two JC tackles are, are just so important for them to be able to come through and get a lot of reps. They've got to get a lot of reps because the level that they're now going to play on is so much faster than the level they did play on. And the same thing with these high school or freshmen who are coming in, that adjustment is going to be tremendous too. So, you know, they've got to have some players come tr- through like Coleman. It's time for Coleman to step up and play. It, it really is. He had all the potential in the world. He's a big kid. Kraft, he's got to step up and play. Kevin Kraft, he's a big kid and could be a p- great player. Khalil could be a great player. I mean, not going to have a lot of depth, but these kids are going to have to come in the J.C. kids play right away, and the freshmen have to come in and back them up. And we'll see what happens. And, but I think they got to play, and you got to scrimmage, and you got to bring them along. And I know you got to play no one gets hurt. But the only way you learn how to play the game of football is by playing football, not by walking through bags or hitting things and so on that don't move. So in the spring, they're going to have to hit. They're going to have to hit in the fall. And they're going to have to get ready to hit moving targets. Because if you don't, game day, it's just so, so hard to adjust. You just can't all of a sudden turn it up. you got to play at that speed all the time. So when game day comes, you're ready to play. So the offensive line uh, got some players, but they're young. Spring practice is going to be really, really important to this team. And uh, we'll see what happens. All right, Coach. Well, great stuff as always. We really appreciate you coming in all the way from Catalina, hope you enjoy the rest of your time out there and the weather stays nice. It's, is it supposed to rain? I think it's supposed to rain coming up later in the week or something. It's supposed to rain, but uh, that's all right. That's it, a, you know, well, big deal. Yeah, big deal. Catalina, you're going to have a good time anyway. I've got to get back yeah. out there. I'll come out and visit you. How's that? Anytime. Right. Anytime. I'll be back there by the time it's supposed to rain. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, well, Coach, we appreciate it. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you very much, Ryan, and to all everybody out there that uh, calls in or writes in for questions, thank you very much. Yes, and uh, thanks for Southern California Tickets. And we'll be back in 30 seconds. We're going to talk to Dan Weber more about this USC football team and the off-season workouts. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. This is Ryan Abraham, your host and the publisher of uscfootball.com. We're joined by Dan Weber in this segment. 
uscfootball.com beat writer has been down at all the off-season workouts. Check it out, the team. We're going to check in with him and get an update of what's been going on. How are you, Dan? Hey, Ryan. Pretty good. Enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, everything's going great. We didn't see what happened to Kyle. Evidently, that was in the uh, real early morning uh, work. Uh, so, uh, uh, other than that, we've probably seen everything they've uh, they've been doing outside. That's for sure. Yeah, Kyle Prater, uh, it, so it looks like he talked to our Stephanie Graves and he said he, he hopes to be back by spring football, but USC sent out a release that he had a fractured foot and it looks like he's going to be uh, out six to eight weeks. Um, he could still come back for the end of spring football, according to that, but he was a little bit more optimistic. It, it's a shame because he has looked really good out there. Yes, yeah. I mean, he, he's bigger, stronger, quicker. Uh, you know, it just, uh, it's every, it looks like he's gotten everything you want a kid to get out of uh, a red shirt year. Uh, and he came in early last year, so he's been here a year. And he, he certainly, uh, he looks like he will be a, you know, a major, a major factor in, in you know, anything that they, uh, they do this year. He just, uh, uh, you can't not be impressed uh when you go out and watch him uh to watch him work i mean he's he just uh he, he's really a special uh special player as everybody hoped he would be when he came in and he he needed that maturing and, and i think he really enjoyed the fact that he got the chance to do it he seemed uh you know very comfortable with the fact that yeah i need this time to kind of grow into my body to grow into college football and uh you know so uh uh, I, it, I'm, I'm thinking even in eight weeks he still he still gets a couple of weeks of spring ball, uh, and that's uh, you know if, if he's lucky and it's the six weeks uh, you know maybe he he does get to come back. Uh, I guess uh, I got an email from somebody. That's the fourth. If you count Coach Orgeron, that's uh, that might be the fourth broken foot this year, and somebody's wondering. Uh, uh, how many broken feet does Oregon have this year? Did they get four or did they get the better did they get the better, get Nike, the better shoes? Nike shoes? <laughs> they got the they got the good Nike shoes and I mean, honestly it's something I'm a big shoe guy. Uh having, you know, been a coach and, and all of that I was you know, I don't know, you always hear about the story about Coach Wooden with his uh first day of practice every year worked on, you know, teaching them how to put on their socks and how to tie their shoes and how to, you know, fit the shoes and all that kind of thing. And I actually really believe in um, in the importance of matching the shoes, you know, to the players and all of that. I mean, I think Kyle's more, almost has to be looked at more the way he plays in the air and the way his physique, and, you know, he, he won't say he's 6'6", but he sure looks like he's getting close um, to 6'6", and he plays in the air. And he puts the kind of pressure on his feet that, you know, basketball players do. And, uh, uh, you know, you just wonder, do you, you know, different guys have to really, you know, wear different kinds of shoes. And, and, and you know, that there really has to almost be a specialty in terms of, uh, you know, fitting kids' shoes. And, you know, I'm, I've gone, uh, gone around and around a little bit with Alan Bradford over uh, – his shoes because he always had big orthotics in them and wore them uh, significantly larger than his regular shoe or um, John David Booty in the past and, and all of that who also you know did some of that and you, you, you try to get them so those things really fit them uh, perfectly 
And uh, so I, I think that might, you know, with the focus of, of, of the number of, of broken, you know, guys that have broken their feet this year might be something for USC to really think about. Yeah, I don't think USC fans would be upset if uh, after the whole the Anthony Thomas fiasco, if if USC dumped Nike and went to Under Armour or something like that. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's probably a thought. I yeah. think we're going to maybe try to check on see uh, – Seeing where that uh, where that Nike contract uh, you know stands at, at this point in time. I mean, you do see, for example, USC pretty much wearing the same shoes you know year after year, and you know like you see uh, you know Oregon showing up with a you know brand new you know set for this game and another set for that game, and they look like they're a little bit uh, farther advanced, let's say this, than maybe the ones we see USC wearing. Just a thought. I just, don't know. <laughs> just a thought. It might be well, worth it to check to see if they've had any broken feet at, at Oregon this year. Yeah, that would be interesting to see. Um, well, it's, uh, we got some questions and stuff, too, but there was another topic I wanted to bring up. There was um, has been a lot of coaching changes for USC. John Morton uh, following uh, Jim Harbaugh to the 49ers, and they're still looking to replace the, the wide receiver coaching position uh, on Lane Kiffin's staff. But that's pretty much the only thing that's gone on. But there was some news that came out very recently. Um, Texas, uh, the Texas program had a, a lot of turnover in their coaches, and they hired uh, Jerry Gray to coach their defensive backs. But he was recently hired as the Titans, Tennessee Titans defensive coordinator. I hope I got that all straight and correct. Right. But the name that's come up before Jerry Gray uh, was Willie Matt Garza, USC secondary coach. And, now people think that his name might be in play again, that Texas has lost, you know, they, they hired and lost their defensive back coach in that short of a period of time. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense. Uh, it, one of the things you would think, well, a couple of things you would think about, A, that uh, uh, Willie Mack wasn't on the top of their list uh, when they hired Jerry Gray uh, from the Seahawks, actually. Uh, and... Uh, so you would be going in there not on the top of their list if you did that. I know, you know, Willie Mack was a four-year starter at Texas, and he's a Texas guy, and I guess great assistant there, started out there. But you do wonder about the state of uh, the Texas situation right now with all the coaches leaving uh, that have left after the 5-7 and seven season. And, uh, you know, as, as people have, you know, observed uh, – there's a tendency at Texas for the head coach to blame the assistants if things don't go well. And, uh, you know, again, you're not sure, you know, how long is the head coach going to be there? And uh, if you go in there, you know, how long are you going to be there? Uh, that kind of thing. So, uh, uh, you know, I don't think it's a slam dunk, uh, obviously. And I would think, you know, USC could probably uh, compete, you know, salary-wise if, if they choose to. Uh I think that's one of those ones we'll just, you know, we'll just have to see, uh, you know, what is, uh, you know, what, does Willie Mack, you know, want to go home? Is that a good situation? Is this a better situation at USC? He's got a lot of, y- a lot of young, young guys to work with here, uh, and, a, you know, a, a long way to go. I mean, they, that was the probably area that, you know, I think we all thought linebacker would be, and, and I'm not sure that, that the secondary wasn't the area that, uh, could show the most improvement this coming year, uh, which is maybe what you know a coach would want to do. Uh, so we'll see. But I, I would think you know they have to run it by Willie Mack, and I would think Millie Mack probably has to consider it. Uh, but I wouldn't think it's a you know it's a done deal. I think it was a done deal 
when uh, Tennessee offers you the defensive coordinator job, you know, you're going to the NFL again and you're going as a coordinator and you're getting a million dollars a year as opposed to 450000 or whatever it was, 425000 uh, So that would seem to be have been a no-brainer for Jerry Gray. I'm not sure, you know, it'll be a no-brainer for Willie Mack to, to go back home. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, controversy around those Texas uh, assistants leaving and, like, the comments that Mac Brown made where some people were saying he's kind of, like, sitting back on his high chair and not really doing anything, and, and then when things don't go right, blaming the assistants for having it not go right. But you can't blame Jerry Gray for leaving, you know, going from college to NFL and becoming a coordinator. I mean, that's not – I don't think that reflects badly on Texas, but it just kind of piles on the problems that they've already had. I don't know if, if, if right. Willie Mack Garza wants to go in there. Need, but uh, there wasn't really any way that they could compete with that. I mean, I mean, you know, uh, the guy gets a chance to be a coordinator in the NFL, uh, you know, from being a, a secondary coach in the, at college uh, is just, uh, you know, I know people were in Texas were at first were saying, oh, he's not going to take it. And you kept thinking, what do you mean he's not going to take it? Of course he's going to take it. <laughs> You know, go think about it. You know, I mean, that was uh, that was uh, no question. He was going to take that uh, once they offered him the coordinator job. Yeah, I know. I agree with you. Uh, well, let's let's get to some questions here. Uh, Major Ed Gibson, they call him Short Bus. Apparently, he had uh, he actually sent in this big uh, recruiting graph, which is kind of cool. I can't really describe the whole thing on the podcast, but it just kind of breaks down. It's similar to our scholarship distribution chart that breaks down. You know what, where players are, what positions, and uh, uh, you know what class they are, and things like that. So you just kind of get a feel for where these guys are moving through the program. But we had a question uh, in the last segment with Harvey Hyde about the offensive line, and wanted to kind of get your thoughts on this as well. This is a little bit different, though. He wanted to know: Does, does USC provide more movement on the offensive line compared to other schools, where you have guys kind of moving around too much, and it doesn't give them an opportunity to learn? one or two positions. And he also wanted to talk about the center. How has Giovanni DiPaolo and, and Abe Markowitz, how has that progress gone? Uh, I, I, one of the things USC did last year, I know this, for example, one of the guys that they really wanted to bring on uh, and, and give him a chance uh, was uh, John Martinez. And I know, you know, he, he's come in here as a guy who's played, you know, center and guard, and uh, what USC did last year was they said, you know, you're concentrating on guard. You know, we need, we may, uh, you know, need some, you know, center backup and things like that, especially when Markowitz broke his uh, foot. But we're going to concentrate, you know, and, and really get you ready to play guard. We want you to be, you know, able to just focus on guard, which is, they've done that, you know, pretty, uh, you know, pretty, they stuck to that. They're not, uh, you know, even as, you know, as their personnel situation with Reardon, you know, being injured and Christopher Dowd was never, you know, never right. Um, and uh, yet they uh, basically, I think, I don't think there was anyone on the offensive line who didn't have something last year. Uh, it's some time that, that really, uh, you know, you know, a lot of times you have guys who wouldn't practice during the week and, you know, they were just trying to do like the NFL does, just get them ready for, for game day and then uh, hope they can get through, you know, the next week. But they didn't do a lot of switching around, and I thought they did a good job. They basically uh, used Reardon, a senior who had the ability to play off, and they used him as their as their guy to you know move from position to position, 
when they needed it. I think they will. It certainly looks like they want Khalid Holmes to make the move over to center. I think partly that's a you know it's a health thing. Uh, partly they think he's the guy to you know make the calls, the quarterback calls with, um, and he's the you know the guy that would would be able to do that. Although I think they're going to give Markowitz a good shot. I think you know he's strong, he's quick, he's a you know maybe just you know he's six three, three hundred pounds. Um, former, uh, you know, shot putter, uh, pretty decent shot putter and, and discus guy, so he's got an explosiveness. Um, and I think he would have played a decent amount last year if he didn't, didn't break his foot. So, uh, uh, but other than that, I don't see him, uh, for example, they're going to have to make a decision on, say, Walker. I think Javi comes in and plays guard right away. Walker probably, you're going to think, he's going to go right tackle. They've told Graff. Uh, when he's uh, back from his shoulder surgery, because uh, he was another guy that, that moved around, because he was able to play a lot of spots and uh, and gave him a backup who could could move uh, from position to at least guard and center and both sides, uh, and or guard and tackle on both sides. But they've told him you're thinking about right tackle exclusively, and so that's that's I think really trying not to do a lot of that move, moving them back and forth even with the um, uh, their kind of thin numbers. But I think they've really thought it through and uh, and don't want to have a lot of movement during the season. Yeah, and I was talking with Coach Harvey Hyde about this. Spring's really important for this offensive line. They do have to figure out uh, where guys are going to be, you know. Unbelievably important. I mean, I think this is really a year they have to make a lot of decisions. I think they almost have to make some of them, in the, you know, right now. And they've got to make them work and 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 because i don't even think they want to be doing a lot of switching during our spring practice either uh i think they want to get you know get a guy where they where he needs to be and get him the full benefit of uh every day at spring being in the place he needs to be uh it's it's, it's, the decision making part of the coaching this year i think is really important all right picking positions i think the same thing with the secondary uh you know, same thing with, you know, as a guy, you know, guys can go back and forth, like, say, a Patrick Hall, a um, uh, Marquise Lee, for example. Uh, he won't be in the spring, but uh, making, the you know, the call before they, you know, get to do what they're going to do, uh, whether it's offense or defense or whatever, I think is really important. And it looks like we've got some guys who can probably play either safety or corner. And I think that's going to be an important call, and some of that will be depending on the health of everybody else at that position. But uh, I don't, uh, Harvey's right. Their decisions this year that they make are really, really important ones. All right. Well, let's get to uh, – we have a voicemail question. Again, if you want to leave us a voicemail, we'd love to play them on the podcast for you. 206-888-6755 is the number. And uh, the first one is got some questions about the uh, linebacker position. Yes, my name is Antonio Knox. I am a USC Trojan fan located here in the dry state of Arizona. My question to you guys is a lot has been made about uh, the depth issues for our linebackers in secondary. Um, we had a couple of linebackers come in the last class. Um, my question in particular is regarding Hayes Fullard. haven't heard much about 
his growth and development and his role uh, in the linebacker rotation, and also some of the DBs that came in in last year's class, uh, Deion Bailey, uh, Demetrius Wright. I know you played some last year, but just wanted to, uh, you know, see if you guys can expand on their growth and development and what type of roles they'll play in the upcoming season. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, linebacker, I think uh... – he, I think he's right on the money as far as what we've seen, and uh, you know, and in, in, uh, in the winter where it's hot, Hayes Pollard is the the linebacker. You really notice. Uh, you notice he's grown up. He's grown. Uh, I mean, he looks just. He looks a lot stronger. Uh, not that he, you know, he didn't look strong, but uh, he just looks like he's a uh, doesn't look like a first year player. Uh, he fits in. He's out there all the time. Uh, 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 I would say he may be the one linebacker of all the ones that you haven't heard about going to move in and um, and really have a chance to play. Not sure exactly, uh, you know, where where they would play him. Uh, you know, the, the strong side might be, a, you know, the possibility there. Uh, I mean, I think he's almost, you know, a guy who could play in the middle. Uh, maybe slightly undersized, but but like some of the other really good middle linebackers, like he looks, uh, he looks like he can. Uh, he's very. He uh, looks like he knows where you know the play's going. He looks like he's uh, got great lateral quickness, uh, really good explosiveness. Uh, I think uh, we're looking uh, we're looking to see a lot of of Hayes uh, this year. Uh, as far as the, the you know the two defensive backs you mentioned that uh, are. Deion Bailey would be the first, and Anthony Brown, I guess, are the two worst seeing out there. And you realize, you know, these are guys in kind of safety bodies who look like they could play, uh, you know, corner. I mean, Dion has really been impressive. I mean, he's jumping routes, and you watch uh, some of the video, and, and it, it confirms what we're seeing, that he's staying with people uh, down the field. Uh, we What we realized last year was that some of the um, – uh, they had to make some calls about who they were going to coach and who they were going to play, and they kind of stuck with them. And probably they didn't get a chance to see these other kids uh, do as much as maybe in a normal year uh, if it wouldn't have been a transition year and if they hadn't asked them to do some of the things they were asking them to do. Uh, but but I think Dion is like the number one guy of people who they're going to say, we have to look at him. We have to give him a chance. And just the way he's been out there, uh, you know, with, with like Hayes, Pollard, uh, working really, really hard, you know, and really competing. I mean, he really makes, you know, the one good thing at USC in these workouts is you're working against really good wide receivers. And uh, he's really making them work hard. He's making them, you know, and it's very competitive. And he's, there's a lot of talk going on and there's a lot of, uh, you know, they really go after one another, and it's been uh, it's been really good. Dion just has jumped out. I know you've seen him as well, Ryan. He just jumped out to the, you know, the front of the pack there. I think uh, so. I would think he's he's in line uh, to uh, have a place uh, on this team. That we're going to see Dion this year. I would think so. I mean, he's picked off like one or two passes. I think every single workout. I've been to, and it just seems like he's always there. It's funny, and that when Jesse Scroggins was throwing, it's almost like he knows <laughs> what Scroggins is going to do with it before he does. I mean, he's been able to get in Scroggins' head a little bit, but throwing a ball. But he's 
he has really played well. And we've seen a lot of Pullard out there. And um, even guys like, you know, some of Anuku, is he going to play, you know, fullback? Or is he going to play linebacker? Or, or Simeone, Kite playing linebacker? I mean, there's, some, there's definitely some talent there. But again, like we said, in the spring, they're going to have to figure this out. Or even heading into the spring, like you said, figure out where some of these guys are going to be and, and start going with them. And I think, like you also mentioned, not being a transition year, it should be a little bit easier. Um, even though if there's some depth issues at certain places, it should help out that there's less stuff going on than the, the, off, the crazy offseason that they had last year. Right. I don't think they're going to have to do so much gassing. And, you know, they basically, you know, were gassing. And, and part of the problem is uh, we get to see them in a lot of man, you know, a lot of press coverage where they're right up in their faces and it's all physical athleticism and what have you in reaction. And, uh, you know, in games they're, they're playing a lot of, you know, combination coverage or zone coverage or whatever. And those were the places that seemed to break down. That's what seemed to, where guys didn't seem to all be on the same page or they didn't seem to, you know, react the way, you know, you'd, you'd like them to or they were – you know, so deep, for example, you know, they're giving up all those third and longs and all that. Well, that's what we all see, you know. So, you know, I know last year people were saying, well, didn't they look pretty good in the summer? You know, and you say, yeah, they really did. But what they were doing in the summer isn't what they're doing when they get in an 11-man, you know, team situation and uh, they're changing the calls and things like that, you know. And I, I you know, the, the classic example that you like to tell people is, you know, what Sharice Wright was telling us after the Oregon game, that Oregon's first two touchdowns came on busted coverage, you know, where, you know, two of the guys were in one coverage and two guys were in another coverage, and they've got their, you know, primary wide receiver just running across the field uncovered. Uh, and you can't account for that in, in what we're seeing in, you know, the winter workouts and what we're going to see in the summer. That is another layer of, uh, you know, the development of the secondary that probably is more important than, than the athleticism we're seeing right now. I mean, the athleticism is there, as it should be for USC. I mean, USC shouldn't end up with, you know, secondary guys that they sign that, you know, aren't athletic. They're pretty athletic. I mean, they may not be the, you know, four guys that can run 4-4, four, four, but, uh, but they, they should have enough athletes to be able to play uh, whatever defense they want to play. Uh, they just have to be able to play it. Yeah, and you can certainly see the athleticism in the uh, videos we've been putting up, and we'll we'll put some more up this week as well, of course. Um, one last question, not specifically for you, Dan, but I've had a lot of people, people on the message boards have been asking about this too. And we're, I do have an answer for them, but I just wanted to play this so people could hear it. Hello, hi. My name is Larry, Peyton Larry. I'm calling from Tennessee. I'm an SC fan, and I, I enjoy your uh, website and so forth. I'm calling in regards last year, just after the recruiting session for 2000, I think, 10, you had an interesting man over the, on there to discuss your, your SC's recruiting class. And he was very, very nice and had some nice insights. I forget the man's name. Could you possibly... If you can recall the man I'm speaking of, could you possibly have that same man on this year to discuss a USC's 2011 class as well? Thank you very much. Yeah, so that, that man is uh, Lanny Julius. He's a long time. Uh, he's coached in college. He's uh, coached in the NFL. He's uh, been a scout all over the place. So um, 
And we've had, we had him on every year. We were, we were supposed to actually have him on last week. We'll do a special edition of the Peristyle Podcast. It won't be on this Monday one. We're going to actually try and get him this week. And he'll come in, and he goes through every member of the class. It might be a little longer because there's 30 guys in this class. But um, he does. Right. He has unique insights. And I don't know if you heard from Landy before, Dan, but he's a, he's a very interesting character. But he's, got a, he's, just, you know, he's an older guy, but he's got a brain like a steel trap, and he just has – he has thoughts on everyone. He's seen all these guys in person, and he really likes to talk recruiting. So I'm, you're not the only person to ask about you know, having Lanny on. We're definitely going to get him on a special episode of the podcast. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought what he did last year was really interesting, and I, I mean, I like to. I, I will be real interested in seeing uh, what his take is on this year's uh, class because uh, you know he's not giving you the the canned uh, kind of stuff that you might see on some national you know, recruiting site or whatever. Uh, I mean, it's really uh, unique, unique to Lanny, and uh, he has a unique way of looking at things. And I'll be, I'll be real interested in, uh, in what he, uh, especially when we're, you're talking about looking at 30 guys. Uh, I'd love to hear, uh, you know, what he's going to say. That'll be, uh, that'll be very in, uh, instructive. He's a different guy. I don't know. Have you met him in person, Dan? I have not. No, I've heard lots of, lots of conversation about him and know about it. You know, his family and. Things like that, and his own, you know, his own history, and uh, would love to love to get to meeting. But I know uh, in reading uh, or in hearing and reading uh, some of the things that uh, you know, his insights, he's uh, he's uh, he's thinking some interesting thoughts. Uh, he does. Uh, you know, I, I like. I got to introduce you guys. He's a very very unique individual. I've, I've never really met anyone like him. He's, he's he's really fun. He's a cool guy, and he's fun. He can be all over the place a little bit sometimes. And if you listen to the, the podcast, I mean, he'll have some strange opinions where there's three-star guys he thinks are amazing and there's five-star guys he's like, ah, oh, they're not that good. And I think it's just, you know, he's been right on a lot of the guys, which is which is pretty interesting. And I think that's why people want to kind of hear him, what he has to think about these guys. He thought last year's class was the best class. Yeah. I think he said the best in college football history or something, which seems a little bit out there, but he really did like the guys in this USC class. And that was, of course, they didn't get everybody. So uh, unfortunately, uh, yeah. so as it turned out, they didn't, they didn't have everybody that, that you know, that, that they had coming in. And we really haven't seen, uh, you know, Kyle Prater yet. We haven't really gotten to see Dylan Baxter, who were, you know, a couple of the guys that, uh, you know, were the anchors in that class. And of course, you know, we lost uh, Central Henderson. So, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I thought that was. Uh, uh, really, an interesting uh, you know take on it. And he's not afraid to say uh, what he thinks, just because that's what he thinks. He's not trying to you know get somebody else to necessarily agree with him. He's just saying, "Here's what I'm seeing." Yeah, no, he doesn't think about what anyone else is thinking when he's talking. He just he tells you what he thinks, and uh, it's really interesting. We're going to try to get him on this week, so look back on peristylepodcast.com, and we'll post it on the on uscfootball.com as well on the message boards and let people know, hey, you know, we're going to get Lanny on. There was a, There's threads talking about him. When are we going to hear from right. Lanny? And uh, his brother, Chris, is a, is a diehard Trojan and unfortunately uh, passed away very recently. So I think he was, was dealing with a lot of that. So that's, uh, I, you know, but we, the plan is to, to get him on sometime this week. And we'll definitely, if we don't, we're going to get him on soon. So as soon as we can get him on, we'll put it out there and let people know. That sounds great. I'm I'm looking forward to it as well. Sweet. All right. Well, Dan, we appreciate you uh, coming on. And actually, if you guys want to see Dan, we uh, we've been doing this fairly 
regularly now. Uh, once a week, we do uscfootball.com TV live from Traditions down on the USC campus, and we usually get Dan on. We've had different guests like uh, Sharice Wright and uh, Mitch Mustaine and C.J. Gable last week. Uh, it's up on our Ustream channel, and I put the latest episode up on peristylepodcast.com so you can kind of see what's going on there. We do It's, it's like a, a one-hour internet TV show. And we talk to guests and we show little video clips of things that have been going on. And, and Dan's been nice enough to come on and come down there and share his thoughts. So you can check us out again. We'll be there this Wednesday at 6 p.m. You can watch it live. If you want to watch it live, you can type into the chat box. We'll actually answer your questions live. Otherwise, you can always watch Excuse me. Watch the replay of the show. So I, hopefully you have a good time with those, Dan. They're kind of fun to do. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I know. When I look at that TV stuff, and I think all the work that goes into it. It's not, not. I mean, good for your engineering background and and <laughs> your uh, problem solving abilities, because uh, I, I, it's really become a. You know, I mean, I've had people after last week. People said, "Wow, that really, really looks good." Uh, you know, the, the technical quality and all that. Uh, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm, I got to give you, uh, you know, kudos on. Uh, on uh, how the show developed, really nice job. Well, thanks, I appreciate it. It's been, uh, it's definitely been some work. Technical, you know, technically speaking, trying to shoot like a live TV show. We use three different cameras and three different microphones and a couple different laptops and lighting and all that stuff. So it's, uh, it's been a challenge, but I think we've we've solved most of the technical problems and going forward, we're just going to keep working on putting up better content and let people know. I would like to, more people to watch it live. We get a lot of people to watch a replay, which is great, but. I want to get some of that live interaction where people can, you know, write in questions more and, and talk about what's going on, and we can answer them right away. Yeah, I, 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 I could tell. I, I was noticing the laptop and watching the questions come in, and that is pretty nice to be able to. You, you don't see that almost anywhere where you know people are, you know, getting questions right as they go. You know, based on something you just said, somebody can react to it and ask you a question. <laughs> Like a follow-up question, which I, I think is really neat. Yeah, it's I mean, pretty it's fun. Really, yeah, it is. Well, check it out. It's uh, you know, we'll post up on uscfootball.com, but look back, look on the site at six o'clock on Wednesday. That's when it goes live, or you can go to ustream.tv/uscfootball. That's where our ustream page is. We'll we'll put it up on Facebook and Twitter and uscfootball.com, so you can find it. So just you know, if you're around. Six o'clock on Wednesday, we'd love for you to watch the show live and then kind of get in there and interact and type some questions. We're working on new guests. So hopefully we're going to try to get Alex Holmes this week. Uh, he might be in San Diego, but he's been doing a lot of work with Troy Palomalo and stuff. So he'd be fun to, former USC tight end, uh, yeah, yeah. fun to talk to him. That'd be great. Sweet. All right. Well, Dan, again, okay. we, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming on and uh, enjoyed getting all your insights. Thank you very much, Ryan. We'll see you this week, I guess. Uh, Maybe today, maybe Wednesday. Yeah, we'll see you down there. And uh, everyone else, thank you very much for tuning into the Peristyle Podcast. We really appreciate appreciate you listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.